This is episode 270 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are How to Grow Potatoes Step-by-Step and 10 Survival Things You Keep Postponing and Shouldn't. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. If you are listening and you are not subscribed, hey, make sure that you do subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network, and that way you never miss another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first article comes to us from NewLifeOnAHomestead.com. And this article is entitled, How to Grow Potatoes Step-by-Step. Now, this uh, there's a lot of information here, and you might come away with saying, man, that's a lot of information about potatoes, more than I wanted to know. But if you are wanting to grow them, this is definitely the article that you want to listen to. And also, maybe if you're on the fence, maybe you, you've never really thought about growing, like, hey, you know, they're cheap at the grocery store. But there's some information here that might be pertinent to your desire to uh, plant these in your garden this year. So let's go ahead and get started. I always look forward to harvesting potatoes in the fall. It is like finding buried treasure. With all the colors and varieties I like to plant, my potatoes are like Easter eggs. The taste of a homegrown potato can't be beat. This is an easy crop for you to grow even if you don't have great soil, a lot of time, or even a lot of space. Sometimes I'm gone commercial fishing for a big chunk of the summer, or really busy with other projects. No matter what else is going on in my life, I always throw at least a few potatoes into the ground. So why grow potatoes? They're better tasting. There is a huge difference in taste and texture between homegrown and store-bought potatoes. Conventional potatoes have been bred for a higher yield per acre and uniform shape. The flavor has suffered as a result. Potatoes from the store are much more bland and mealy. I used to drown potatoes in butter and salt. However, my own homegrown potatoes have such a rich flavor and texture, I use much less salt and skip the butter. You could see this as a health benefit if you are trying to cut down on sodium and fat. They're also better for your health. According to Joe Robinson's landmark work, Eating on the Wild Side, modern varieties of potatoes such as russet and Yukon gold are high glycemic. This means that sugar in them is digested so quickly it causes a spike in blood sugar. This is a no-no for people with diabetes or those at risk for developing it. If you grow your own potatoes, you can grow varieties with lower glycemic index such as purple potatoes. Of course, if you have diabetes, you should consult a doctor about anything in your diet. Robinson also explains that conventional potatoes are low in nutrients compared to heirloom varieties. Furthermore, conventional potatoes are consistently ranked in the dirty dozen, the 12 conventionally grown foods that have the most pesticide exposure. They're also easy and efficient. Potatoes are originally from the mountains of South America where the soil is not so great. This is good news for you if you are still building and developing your soil. Potatoes can handle a lot of neglect. If you tend to come and go during the summer, or if you are busy with other projects, these are a great choice for you. Potatoes are commonly grown vertically. 
if you have a small amount of space, you can still grow a lot of potatoes. And they're fun. Digging for potatoes is fun. I usually plant a hodgepodge of varieties, so it is extra fun when I don't know what color potato I have until I pull it out. Harvesting potatoes is a great way to get into the garden with children and grandchildren. They will not tire of this game. It really is exciting when you reach blindly into the earth and then you find something. Choose your seed potatoes wisely. Remember the potato famine? Potatoes are sensitive to disease in the soil. Those diseases can spread if you transplant potatoes from contaminated soil. It is best to be very wary about where your seed potatoes come from. Talk to your local cooperative extension about what diseases are present in your region and how to make sure you do not inadvertently spread them. No matter where you obtain your seed potatoes, it is a good idea to get them early. This will give you time to sprout them. See later in the article. Also, many suppliers sell out of popular varieties. I am Jewish, and I always laugh at an old joke my rabbi told. How many synagogues does a Jew on a deserted island need? The answer is two, one to pray in and one he'd never set foot in. Gardening advice can be the same way. I personally would never plant potatoes from the grocery store. That being said, there are many people out there who do plant grocery store potatoes and have a great time doing it. With this caveat in mind, I tell you why I don't plant potatoes from the store. They may have been exposed to diseases. They may have been treated with chemicals to prevent them from growing into new potatoes. Also, one of the biggest advantages to growing potatoes is the ability to grow healthier and better tasting varieties. This is lost if you just plant russets from the store. I've had the best luck with potatoes from a trusted neighbor who saved potatoes from his previous crop. Planting varieties that your neighbors have had success with is a great idea since your climate and soil are likely to be similar. Of course, you need to be sure your neighbors haven't experienced any soil disease. Depending on your climate, it can be tough to hold on to potatoes all year. However, if you do manage to keep a few through the winter to chit for yourself, that's great. There are additional tips on saving potatoes later in this article. Eventually, if you save potatoes year after year, you may notice a decline in yield. This is normal. It's time to start fresh with new seed potatoes. Seed suppliers carry a wide variety of potatoes for the home grower. They also generally have excellent customer service. If you are not sure which variety is right for you, they can be very helpful. One problem I have is that the minimum order from many national seed suppliers is one pound. If you would like to plant more than one variety and you have to purchase a pound of each, this adds up to a lot of potatoes. More potatoes than I as a single lady need. This is not a problem for you if you do plan to plant a lot of potatoes. Another problem I have with purchasing potatoes from a seed supplier is my climate. I live in Alaska where it's very cold. If I want my seed potatoes to arrive in time for me to sprout or chit them, they may be frozen and damaged in shipping. I'm also the last one to the party. Many varieties are sold out by the time I want to order potatoes. If you live in a more temperate climate, these are less likely to be issues for you. When I do have to purchase seed potatoes, I prefer to go directly to a local nursery. They typically allow customers to purchase as many or as few as they need. If I see a variety I've never tried before, I might even buy just one potato and see how it does. I come out of the nursery with a medium-sized bag filled with many varieties. 
Local nurseries also have the advantage of being, well, local. The potatoes they carry are likely to be appropriate to the local climate and uh, other growing conditions. The people working there typically can provide excellent advice when you tell them the details of your growing situation. If you go to a local nursery, it is a good idea to go early. They often sell out of seed potatoes. Also, it is good to give yourself time to chit your potatoes at home. This can take a couple of weeks. Most of us know that every eye on a potato has the potential to grow into a new plant. However, your plants will have an advantage if you use a single potato. The whole potatoes give the plant more of a nutritional bonus to begin with. The cut potatoes are also more sensitive to pests than rot. This risk can be mitigated if you let the cut pieces dry thoroughly before planting. Most of this comes down to scale. I don't grow acres of potatoes. I grow a few containers. The cost savings for me of cutting potatoes up is negligible. If you are growing on a larger scale, cutting up your potatoes may make more sense. One of my early gardening teachers gave me a great gift. I wanted to make sure I did everything right and I was always full of questions. I wrote down everything she said. Finally, she told me, plants want to grow. Give them the basics. Everything else is just percentages. Potatoes are very hardy. The guidelines below are meant to be just guidelines. If you put a great effort into fertilizing and watering, you will have a bigger yield. However, if other priorities tear you away from part of the summer, your potatoes will just be fine. Prepare your site. Potatoes like full sun and loose, well-drained soil. If your soil feels hard and compact, till it well. If the grain is really fine, consider amendments such as peat. I mix lichens, leaves, seaweed, and moss into the soil for my potatoes. Grass clippings are another great addition if you have access to them. Decide whether you want to plant your potatoes directly into the ground or use a vertical planter. In order to minimize diseases in your potatoes, crop rotation is very important. If you plant in the ground, plant in a different spot every year. If you use containers, transfer the soil to elsewhere in the garden after the harvest. Many growers construct vertical planters for their potatoes. These have the advantage of saving space while still growing a great harvest. As your potato plants grow, you layer additional soil into your planter. If you are artistic, you can really unleash your creativity on your potato planter. Any colors or materials are fair game. This is a real great opportunity to upcycle as well. A quick look on Pinterest will lead you to hundreds of beautiful planters people have made. My planters are not particularly beautiful, however, they have advantages. Minutes to make, great drainage, and keep out varmints. And there's some great pictures here that uh, show uh, the actual vertical planters that she's making here. To make a super easy planter, bend chicken wire into a cylinder. Weave the ends together with a piece of wire. Tuck the bottom few inches inward to form a horizontal shelf inside the cylinder. Cover the shelf with larger rocks. Wrap the bottom with layers of burlap or fabric to prevent light from penetrating the soil. Fill with soil. Potatoes like full sun. Whatever planter design you choose, it's best to make it possible to dump it out at the end of the season. This makes it easy to transfer your soil to another part of the garden for crop rotation purposes. It also makes it much easier to harvest the potatoes. The earlier you get your potatoes into the ground, the better your yield will be. As soon as you can into the ground, it's time to plant. Potatoes will survive a light frost. 
Bury potatoes about three inches. If you use cut pieces of potato, plant them in the ground with the eyes facing up. Plant potatoes about a foot apart from each other. If you are going to dig some up early for fingerlings, you can plant closer. If you are planting in the ground, make your rows wider apart than you think, at least three feet. This will give you a lot of space and soil from mounding. Water your potatoes well. You can be irresponsible about watering and fertilizing your potatoes. However, you will definitely lose out if you don't mound. Mounding is the key to getting good yield from each plant. As the potato plant grows taller, bury the stems. Potatoes will then grow in the newly mounded area. You can add compost as you are mounding to give the potatoes a nutritional boost. Seaweed is a nice additive as well. See fertilizing. In vertical planted potatoes, carefully add soil and any other material around the plants. If you plant into the ground, gently rake soil toward your rows of potatoes. And there's a video here that will show you how to, uh, it's entitled, How to Hill Potatoes to Get a Bigger Crop. This is a good activity for some children. If you are not gentle, you can damage the plants. Fertilizing. Adding compost to the soil initially and as you mound is a great way to fertilize your potatoes. Compost is also very pH neutral, which is great. Avoid using too much fertilizer that will make your soil alkaline, as potatoes like either neutral or slightly acidic soil. Coastal dwellers often layer seaweed directly into the potato mounds. This fertilizes the plant and also provides extra material for mounding. Johnny's Seed Supplier also recommends using foliar spray, such as fish emulsion, a few times during the growing season. Fish sprays can attract predatory animals and local dogs. Whether to use these or not depends on your neighborhood. Potatoes evolved in mountains that did not have very fertile soil. More fertilization will get you more potatoes. The potatoes will probably be bigger as well. However, if you don't use a whole lot of fertilizer, you can still expect a modest crop. Potatoes are much more sensitive to overwatering than underwatering. If they are in the soil that is too wet, they can rot. If you live in a very wet climate, row covering can protect the plants from getting deluge. In climates with a natural alternation between sun and rain, you can let nature take its course without paying too much attention to watering. This is especially true if you mulch around the plants after they emerge and after mounding. If you do live in a drier climate, you may have to water. Pay attention or special attention to keeping your plants watered during and immediately after flowering. This will help to promote the most growth. It is very important to stop watering the above ground portion of your potato plant when it withers and dies. Your potatoes will remain in the ground for two more weeks and it is best if they are dry. Some bugs just love to eat potato leaves. Row coverings can deter many flying pests. Search under the leaves of your plants for insect eggs. Crush and remove these as you find them. If you live in slug or snail country, these pests will really go after potatoes. The best remedy I have ever seen for a snail infestation is ducks. If you or your neighbors don't have any ducks handy, manual removal is probably second best. You will catch the most of them if you go out at night with a headlamp. The snails are most active then. There are a variety of slug traps that people swear by. I have been most impressed with beer. One homesteader I know asked her local bartender for the beer that has swilled into the catch tray in the keg area. That way she is recycling what would otherwise be trash and she can drink the fresh beer for herself. 
Even with traps, you still have to pick slugs off. The best times to go after slugs are early morning and early evening. So harvesting. You can harvest early potatoes from the sides of your potato mounds by gently searching for them. This process has a few nicknames. My favorite is scrabbling. This is a time-honored tradition and it will not hurt the rest of the plant. You can expect to find young potatoes to harvest as soon as two or three weeks after flowering. Your potatoes will store better if you wait to harvest the bulk of them until two weeks after the foliage has died back. Note, the date the foliage has died in your calendar to help you keep your timing right. This waiting period helps the potatoes to set skin. Remember, during this time, you should not water your potatoes. You do not want your potatoes to freeze close to harvest time. If you have to cheat a little on the two-week timetable, that is better than losing your whole crop. Just know that they may not store quite as well and try to eat them sooner rather than later. You can cut down the green plants before they die naturally. This could be a good move if you plant if your plants look green and vigorous, but you know that it will likely freeze soon. Harvesting potatoes is really fun for the whole family. However, it is important to dig carefully. If you break the skin of a potato, it will not store as well. I usually feel around more with my hands than any other tools. Small vertical containers can simply be dumped out. Then you just sift through the pile looking for your precious potatoes. It is, a, it is good to dump the containers anyway because you can transfer the soil to another part of your garden. If you grow a different crop in that soil next year, you minimize the likelihood of breeding potato disease. So storage. Do not wash potatoes you wish to store. Before putting the potatoes in long-term storage, they need to cure for a week. Spread them out in a dark, dry place that is 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. If you don't have that kind of space in your own homestead, try trading some potatoes for the use of someone's heated garage. This will work out well for everyone. Once the potatoes are dry, transfer them to a cool 35 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit dark place. Remember, light will make them sprout, so darkness is important. As this stage in the game, it is okay for the potatoes to be in a humid environment. Don't worry if you use a root cellar and it gets a little bit damp in there. Try to save a few potatoes for next year. The potatoes you save should be among the biggest. They are likely to grow the most successful plants next year. Potatoes are fun, rewarding, and easy crop to grow. Homegrown potatoes are good for your health and unbelievably delicious. With some minimal preparation and care, you can have a great harvest. Good luck to your potato patch and all of your gardening endeavors. All right, guys, great article over here. A lot of information about potatoes. And, you know, there's been, I know that you've probably seen it. Um, those those vertical containers where someone starts to, uh, they, they plant some seed potatoes and then they add to it and then they add to it. And so they have all these, this big old uh, box full of dirt, right? And then so when it gets to the time where they need to go ahead and start harvesting, they, they start peeling back the, the layers of, uh, you know, they take out one of the sides, I guess. And then they start, you know, going through the dirt and nothing comes up, man. You know, it's like they have like one or two potatoes after all of that work. And you definitely don't want that. You want to be able to follow some of this advice and uh, hopefully come away with a great harvest. So uh, a lot of good information here. I hope you get a chance to go and uh, take a look at it. There's some links and also videos that you might be interested in. Again, that's newlifeonahomestead.com. And like always, I link to all the articles in the show notes. All right, our next article comes to us from survivalsullivan.com. 
And this article is entitled 10 Survival Things You Keep Postponing and Shouldn't. And a great article here. The article is kind of written in the idea of, uh, you know, if the poop hits the fan, right? If we if we have the whole big collapse, like, you, you know, we always read the EMP, nuclear war, economic collapse, you know, uh, all that good stuff. But there's still a lot of great information here that you should be implementing and really not procrastinating on. Uh, because whether the, the poop hits the fan or whether we just continue on, uh, a lot of these things are just really good decisions that you, that you can make. So let's go ahead and start reading this again from SurvivalSullivan.com. 10 survival things you keep postponing and shouldn't. Procrastination. It is such a bad word. It really should have only four letters. Preppers are not procrastinators by nature, but it has been known to happen, especially when there are so many big items on the preparedness to-do list. Neglecting to prepare thoroughly and expeditiously can and likely will get you killed during an SHTF scenario. There are many tasks you may be postponing and shouldn't be, but here are 10 survival things you shouldn't postpone any longer. Number one, get your tetanus shot. Vaccinations are never fun, but neither is lockjaw or dying of suffocation. If you haven't had your tetanus booster within the past 10 years, it is time to make an appointment with your doctor or set up an appointment at the nearest health clinic for your shot. When you think of what you need to do to prepare for when SHTF, getting vaccinated is more than likely not on the top of your to-do list. You may not think it is important now, but what if you step on an old rusty nail or get even a small slice on your arm from a piece of wire, wood, or metal that has been contaminated by feces? Or what if you get an insect bite or animal bite that breaks your skin and tetanus, tetanus bacteria infects your wound? Tetanus lives everywhere in the dirt or on wood or anywhere that has animal fecal matter around. So it could be life-saving to prepare for this now while you still have the chance. Some people are not capable of receiving this vaccine because of a life-threatening allergic reaction to the dose or having a severe reaction to their last dose, such as brain or nervous disease, seizure, or high fever. And so, of course, there's uh, the disclaimer here, guys, and I'm gonna, I am going to read that as well. The information in this article is provided as is and should not be mistaken for or be a substitute for medical advice. Always consult your physician before trying any of the advice presented on this page. Always seek the help of a professional when delivering a baby. Neither the author nor SurvivalSullivan.com or the company behind the website should be held liable for any negative effects of you putting into practice the information in the article. All right. So, I mean, like always, that disclaimer is just something that we have to do. All right. So continuing on. If you or a loved one cannot receive this vaccination, here is how to attempt to fight tetanus naturally, if need be. Use hydrogen peroxide to thoroughly clean your wounds. Soak your wound in boric acid water and Epsom salt. Make some colloidal silver and do your research to see how much you should take daily. My family takes one tablespoon a day. Consume more vitamin C. Take cod liver oil. Make bone broth. Boost your immune system. Massage lavender oil and olive oil on your neck and shoulders for less stiffness. Take garlic to help fight infection. Get fish oil, cleans your arteries and heals your heart. Take olive leaf extract, it fights infection. Consume grapefruit extract. Calcium and bromelain reduces muscle pain. One capsule of milk thistle daily for a liver cleanse. 
glucosamine sulfate with MSM optimizes joint function, protects cartilage and connective tissue, and take oregano and echinacea. Number two is gather proof of identity and essential documents. If you haven't already, you need to gather all your family IDs and make copies of them. Make sure to have at least one ID that contains a picture of each of your family members. This way, if you and your loved ones are trying to reach each other's destination, you will be able to show a picture of him or her to people that you're passing by to see if they have seen them and what direction they were headed. Also, keep at least two photos of your children in your wallet and make sure the pictures are current. You should also keep copies of everyone's birth certificate and social security cards. If there are any allergies, medical conditions, or current prescriptions being taken in the family, you should make at least one copy of their medical records. Do not forget to create a list of contact information for both yourself and extended family and friends. Keep this information in your bug out bag so if your children are forced to go on without you, they can try to find their way to a safe space with family or friends. Gathering all your family's documents and making copies might sound like a hassle, but you will be thankful for doing it in the end. Number three, stocking up on baby needs. If you are a mother or a father already, you already know how crucial it is to be stocked up on all your baby's essentials. So your baby does not go without. Most parents forget to buy extra baby products until last minute due to the busy life of being a parent. Can you imagine waking up one morning to the world changing completely? You hear your baby screaming in the other room wanting a bottle. You run out to the kitchen, open the cabinet, and see an empty cupboard. It's time to start putting a container of formula back each time you go out to buy a can of formula. If your baby is formula fed, of course. Let's say you can get a can of formula every other three days. If you buy an extra container to put back to stock up every time you get one, you will have an extra three cans a week. Keep those in your stockpile and you will have 12 cans of formula within a month to save back. And of course, you want to uh, rotate, you know, do that first in, first out with any kind of uh, food that you have, including baby formula there. For mothers that cannot breastfeed or choose not to, formula is an absolute must. If you cannot afford to purchase extra cans of formula to just put back, you should make your own formula. Below is an amazing recipe of homemade raw milk formula for babies that you should print out for when SHTF. And so there are the, the ingredients and the directions are here. I'm not going to read that for you, though. Uh, they're a little long and, uh, you know, they're very specific to making baby formula. But definitely you might want to, uh, if that's you or you want to print this out, definitely uh, you need to come over to Survival Sullivan and check that out. Stocking up on diapers and wipes is also a very wise choice. With as fast as infants and toddlers go through diapers a day, it's safe to say you will run out of these essentials quickly. Learning how to make your own cloth diapers would be the right route to take, especially because you won't ever run out this way. Even if you are currently not a parent, anything can happen when SHTF. Prepare for the unexpected. You could become pregnant during a world disaster, so it is best to educate yourself on these baby essentials now. Maybe even stock up a little by little each month and put them back for when a disaster will occur. If it's not you that becomes pregnant, it could be your sister, daughter, or other female loved ones. Stocking condoms and other types of birth control is also highly recommended. Number four, attend a first aid class. There are so many opportunities to join a first aid class, but this is one task that a lot of us have yet to do and keep putting off. 
learning how to treat burns, cuts, bandages, wounds, and knowing how to care for various medical emergencies could save a life. Hopefully you will have a nurse or doctor in your group, but there is a chance you will not. If one of your family members are out hunting for food and cut themselves with their hunting dagger, you will need to know how to accurately treat his cut before an infection wound begins. After your first aid class, get your first aid kit out and teach your spouse and children what each item is used for and how to use it. Who knows if that could be you on the ground in too much pain to tell your loved ones how to care for you. It's best to teach them the basics now while you can. Number five, make a trip to the dentist. As silly as it sounds and as much as you don't want to, going to the dentist now could save your life when SHTF. Dentists are known to detect health issues before they become too serious. However, if you neglect your dental hygiene and have a gum disease that goes untreated, chances are it will lead to heart disease. Therefore, you should call to make an appointment to get your gums checked and to make sure you are still cavity-free with no dental problems whatsoever. After you go to your checkup, start educating yourself on dental care so you can prepare post-SHTF. Did you know that one simple abscess tooth could kill a person? You will not be able to run to your nearest dentist office after SHTF, so you will need to know not only the basics of dental hygiene, but also for emergency dental care. While gaining more knowledge in dental care and hygiene, you should look up ways to make your own toothbrush and toothpaste. As a prepper, you should already be stocked up, but eventually you will run out. So it is best to find recipes now while you still have access to a computer or phone. Don't forget to switch out your toothbrush after every illness you experience so that germs can't re-enter your mouth after you overcome the sickness. The less illness passed around during SHTF, the better. And just on this note here with uh, you know the first aid and, and uh, the dental uh, trips to the oil and the tetanus shots and all those kinds of things. I remember listening to Fernando Aguirre, uh, you know, the modern survivalist. I believe he, he, he blogs at modernsurvivalist.com, but I think most of it, what he's doing now is just videos. But I remember him talking about, uh, you know, when, when you start seeing like the economic collapse and you start seeing things like that, you need to make sure that you're taking care of these things now, right? Um, you need to start taking care of exactly like talking about going to the dentist. If there was something like if you wear glasses and you were contemplating getting LASIK surgery, go ahead and get it done because if things start to tank and, you know, he's not necessarily talking about like the whole big collapse and, you know, uh, you know, zombies and all that junk. You know, he was more along the lines as, you know, things are going to be very expensive. The money might not be there. Insurance might not be uh, what you normally have. And so it's just smart to get some of these things now. If you need a surgery or you needed something fixed or you there was something that uh, you, you've kind of been prolonging, you know, go ahead and take care of that. And, and going to the dentist is one of those things that, that falls in there. So, um, you know, just wanted to kind of throw that out there and give my two cents. All right. Number six is preparing mentally. While thinking of different case scenarios to happen during Teotihuacan, you may think you are ready, but are you truly ready? Are you just thinking of the basics such as stocking up and planning an evacuation plan? That's the easy part of prepping. As a human, it is in our nature to help others in need and to help care for everyone. When SHTF, you can no longer think of everyone else and need to put your own first. Everyone has the same opportunity as you to prepare for different types of SHTF scenarios. If you give in to a family and give them a jar of your canned food, guess who will be back for more? 
That jar you just gave away is also a jar of food taken right out of your kid's mouth. On the other hand, what if you stand your ground and tell the family no and they pull out a gun? Will you be ready to protect your family and shoot first? If not, your family could lose all the food supplies, lead to starvation, then death, possibly raped and murdered. You must always put your family first in a situation like this no matter what. You need to start preparing yourself mentally and think about every possible scenario you can think of and how you would react. Get with your family and whoever else you will have in your group and over talk to make sure everyone agrees and will be on the same page. Guys, you know my uh, you know my views on this from being a, a Christian and uh, you know looking at this from different different uh, points of view and perspectives. Definitely, I think there you know scripturally you, we should take care of our own. We should provide for our family. They are our responsibility. But uh, just just as well, uh, you know, you you've really got to consider the people that are out there who are, are in need, right? Um, there's always been famines. There have always been, you know, people in need. There have always been, uh, you know, since uh, since the early church, people who have suffered and Christians have always uh, been there to help. And uh, so you you plan, you do everything you can, but you also trust in, in uh, like I've said many, many times, if the poop was to ever hit the fan, uh, you know, you're not, your faith doesn't go out the door. You don't automatically become, you know, Rambo prepper and you, you, you forget that you're a Christian and a believer and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, for me, my faith is first before anything else. And then, you know, everything else falls into place there. So uh, anyway, just wanted to always give my two cents here because, you know, this is one of those lines, you know, the, the, the thought process here. Is, is that and you know someone who's not a believer i completely totally understand where they would be coming from when, with wanting to have this uh this line of thought but uh, anyway just wanted to kind of give my two cents there all right number seven is workout if you are a very busy individual working out will more than likely be postponed because of your schedule when you think of preparing for when shtf staying in shape is more than likely not on the top of your list exercise has so many amazing benefits releases endorphins, builds stamina, increases likelihood of living longer, etc., and is extremely crucial to your health. There are hundreds of reasons you should start working out more before SHTF. Some examples include carry more equipment for a further distance, outrun punks and win in hand-to-hand combat, strengthen to carry buckets of water from your watering source to bug-out location or home, be able to walk 100-plus miles depending on if you were home or out running away, Hold, holding your kids while walking them to a bug out location or home. Number eight is educating loved ones. You may be postponing teaching your loved ones survival tactics because you want to take care of everyone and let them know they can depend on you. As much as they would love to not have to worry about anything because you will be taking control and keeping them safe. What if something happens to you? While there is still time left, you need to teach your loved ones the basics. There are so many different tactics they will need to know how to survive, but the most important is food. Does your child, spouse, sibling, parent know how to shoot a gun? If not, now is the time to engage in target practice. Show them how to reload and how to clean the gun afterwards. Now that you feel comfortable enough to let them shoot on their own, hunting comes next. Teach them everything they need to know about hunting and take them so they can get hands-on experience before their life depends on it. Once you loved ones are familiar with hunting, you need to teach them how to butcher. 
After you have educated them on meat for food, move on to the plants and berries. Take your loved ones out into the woods and show them what they can eat and not eat. Make sure to quiz them on it later so you don't have to worry about them not knowing the difference between the poisonous and non-toxic berries and plants. You know, here on this food aspect of it, I wish they would have talked a little bit more maybe like of gardening. Um, because, you know, we've talked about hunting and we've talked about how that's going to, you know, animals are going to be depleted so fast in our true SHTF situation. But I think gardening and being able to forage, uh, you know, wild edibles, I think th- that's important. And, and you know, having that information is, is very important. And then also, you know, learning how to preserve food um, in different different ways. I think that's important. Number nine, extra clothes for you and your loved ones. As a prepper, you are already aware of the importance of stocking up, but did you know or did you think about getting extra clothes in different sizes for you and your loved ones? If you haven't already, you should go check out clearance sales or yard sales for clothes that are a couple of sizes smaller than your current size. When SHTF, you are going to lose weight by not eating as much and more physical activity. For children and teenagers, make sure to stock up on sizes for them to grow into and several pairs of shoes for each individual because they will be living on a rugged terrain and ruin the shoes, their shoes more frequently. During the wintertime, go get cheap summer outfits and during the summer, make sure to stock up on warm snow gear for everyone. You never know what season we will be experiencing when SHTF, so it is better to get all the extra clothes now so you don't have to worry when the time comes. If SHTF during the winter, you don't want to be walking around in a tank top, shorts, and flip-flops. We must always be prepared. You know, one of the problems there with, with stocking up on clothes, I know some people do it, um, is, is just space, is having the space to be able to do that. All right, number 10 is educate yourself. Even if you are one of the most experienced preppers, there is always something new you can learn. Buy or download books, magazines, DVDs, and become more knowledgeable in new survival tactics to enhance your skills set and then share your knowledge with your family. Go to meetings where you can discuss the basics of prepping and the the lifestyle. Join online prepper forums so you can make new friends that share the same interests as you and share your beliefs, ideas, and how you would handle SHTF situations. You can broaden your prepper knowledge more than you could imagine and feel accomplished helping others as well. Who knows what information they gave you could have benefited you and your family by saving your life or if your information to them could have saved their life. All right, good article here with a lot of things here. Maybe not every single one of them uh, might apply to you, but definitely there are some uh, that, that you should be thinking about and some that you, sh- you could be implementing uh, right away. So again, that's over at uh, survivalsullivan.com and uh, this will be linked in the show notes and go check this one out. Well, guys, that's it for episode 270. Hey, remember, we make it very easy for you to uh, share out our episodes. So if you come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, uh, you can share out episode 270 with uh, you know your friends on social media or even if you come uh, on a mobile device, you know, if you're you're on your phone, uh, the pop up will bring up the, the ability to send it uh, or to share the episode in a text. And so that I thought that was always cool to be able to do that, uh, you know, with someone who, who might want to listen to the, the podcast. 
But we do appreciate it when you do share uh, the podcast out there with other people, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever. And then also, I do appreciate it when uh, you link up with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love to uh, to link up with uh, listeners out there and uh, to hear your feedback. So uh, definitely, you can find all those links in the show notes, or you can come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And don't forget, the Facebook group is there, and you can also join our mailing list. When you join the mailing list, I do send out a PDF of uh, you know kit items that uh, some of my friends in the preparedness community sent to me, and uh, it's the items that you know the top seven items that they have in their kit. So I just asked them, give me your top seven. I know that there could be a lot more. Just give me your top seven, and so uh, you will get that when you sign up for the email list. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.